You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink, winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because you they like to be contrarian. contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like, like Eddie going to be the type to be like, case. MVP? James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics. The analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juice for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And, and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all. It's been a great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back. This is Hoop and Holler, and we are all back in the same place in the same room. We're not in Studio B at USC Edinburgh, but this will have to suffice. It's about five minutes that way. But, uh,. We're sitting at our Eddie and I's apartment right now, all kind of huddled around one mic. <laughs> it's not ideal circumstances, but hey, that's what we do at Hoop and Holler. We make it work. We'll make anything work. Again, I'm your host, Eddie Sun, joined by Julio Martinez and Reagan Griffin. And of course, we have to talk about the big news, the world-shattering news that went on in the NBA and had ripple effects across multiple sports leagues and, and so many um, other star athletes. Um, of course, we have to talk about the initial boycott or strike um probably should call it a strike um started by george hill and the milwaukee bucks specifically that um had a ripple effect where orlando ended up um um, not playing their game and then portland and the lakers decided not to play okc in houston um and then of course the whole thing blew up into a league-wide zoom meeting uh big meetup negotiating over whether to indefinitely suspend the season or to continue play um obviously like we can go over all the developments um as it happens because there's so much that i can't really even summarize and cover it all in one sitting but let's just start with the initial news when you first heard that milwaukee wasn't going to play that game like what did you guys think or how did you guys even feel my first thought was that the season was going to get canceled i i I I knew obviously you know that the rest of the games were gonna get uh, boycotted by the rest of the team teams, uh, but my first reaction was like, does this mean the season is gonna get you know canceled? Um, and as you know, as I thought about that, I, I thought you know were the player were the players really willing to cancel the season after all the sacrifices that they made you know, going into the bubble, but, you know, that that was my first thought. You know, we're not going to get an NBA Finals. We're not going to get, um, uh, you know, everything that we were, you know, quote-unquote promised, I guess. But, yeah, that's the first thing that my mind went to. When they first entered the bubble, right, they, they did so, you know, you had the Kyrie faction who was saying we cannot – fight for social justice and entertain the masses at the same time. And then you had what seemed to be the LeBron faction, which is saying we can do both of these things and they can coincide. Um, 
and then it seemed as, you know, when it first started, everyone was, you know, giving the round of applause to everyone. Everyone was kneeling. Um, you know, they were they were talking about it during their press interviews and things of that nature. But over time, it started to get a little bit watered down. And when this happened, my initial thought was, OK, we're doing this for real now. Like we're, we're going to actually because initially it, it kind of it seemed a little bit performative. This is going to be the real thing. The players are actually going to step up and, um, you know, not to say that they weren't stepping up before, but the players are really going to flex the true power that they have over this league and over this nation. Um, obviously, that's not what ended up happening, but that was my initial thought, man. I was like, OK, the players are really about to flex their stuff right now. Yeah, obviously, it was incredibly bold when Milwaukee decided not to play that game five. But to me, I was just waiting for what was the rest of the league going to do? Because Orlando, I think they were kind of put in a position where it almost would have kind of looked bad for them to just take that win or have Milwaukee forfeit. But it could have been very possible that, you know, Houston or OKC could have played or the Lakers in Portland could have played. And then that would have been a totally different situation. But when all the teams said, we're not going to play, I really did think we're, we were doing this, you know, like league shutdown part two. Like, you know, the first time it was COVID. Now, you know, we're going to have to. Um, embrace a new reality where this, you know, second NBA season essentially is just totally, you know, nipped in the bud. And, um, you know, for, I mean, obviously for a much different cause, but like, like you were saying, Julio, like I was definitely preparing for that kind of scenario. Yeah. And obviously what Reagan touched on with the, I guess, LeBron quote unquote faction, uh, you know, this is part of the reason that they came here, in my opinion. You know, you have a platform, you have all eyes on you, at least many NBA fans uh, across the country. So you have all, all these eyes on you. You know, it, this is the time, especially, you know, with everything that went on in the world, this is the time to, to do something about it, force the NBA governor's hands um, this is the time to like stand up, make a statement. And, and, you know, this is part of the reason why they came. If they were all separated at their houses, I just don't think the, the, I guess, effect would have been there if they were all separated. But all of them being in a bubble, uh, the Bucks, you know, re- uh, refusing to take the court, it, it all made a statement and it had a grand effect. See, I get that. Um, but in the same breath, to me, the real people within the NBA, when I look at the, the NBA from the coaches to the players to the fans, to the, when you look at the NBA as a community, the real people who can have an effect on what happens is the owners. Those are the people that can genuinely change what we see in this country because they have the money. We live in a capitalist society. They sit in those rooms, right, with the, the, with the politicians and the influencers around this country. They're the people who can really make the impact here. And so long as the players on the are on the court, I'm not so sure that the owners have the motivation to do that. And, and that was my biggest concern. And that's why I thought we were doing this for real when they when they initially said we're, we're done, is that once you pull yourself out of the court and you stop making money for those owners, now they have to do something. Because right now it feels like they're just kind of sitting back and clapping for the players doing as much as they possibly can. But at the end of the day, the players cannot do everything, right? They're, they're, they're players, and that's great. They have a platform. But... There's a cap to how much they can actually affect because they don't sit in those rooms, right? And they they don't have that that level of leverage that the owners do. So it's definitely it's a double edged sword, man. Because the players obviously you want to play basketball. That's what your life dream is. That's what you've worked so hard to do. But you know in the back of your head that if you really want to push the envelope here and move the needle, the best way to do that would be to to have a strike. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and to your point, I think what's getting lost in translation is that there's so much kind of collective, whether it's like applauding, like cheering, or, or just like showing support for the players for doing all of this, which is great. But um, at the end of the day, even though, you know, a lot of these athletes want to emphasize that they are, you know, more than just athletes, um, it's almost unfair to heap the responsibilities of righting the wrongs of society onto their shoulders mm -hmm. when they're getting paid to, you know, put a ball through a hoop. And I mean, obviously, I don't want it to sound like that's only what the athletes can do. But the expectation that these athletes are supposed to, you know, uh, at the same time perform on the court and march in the streets and, you know, say all the right things and deliver all the right messages is just totally unfair. And that's where I wish there was a little bit more coverage on how are um, people in the league offices planning on responding to this? How are the owners, like you mentioned, you know, going to go forward with this? Because, I mean, one of the most incredulous things that I saw was that the owners were saying that they didn't think they could do any more for the cause, mm. which, I mean, obviously, you can expect that sort of tone deafness from, you know, these multi-billionaires who are very out of touch with um, just the rest of society and, you know, social issues in general. I mean, if they really wanted to take a stand, they would, you know, they would have a say in, you know, how police departments around um, their communities are you know, treating communities of color. I mean, even like the securities in their arena that are often contracted by the police, like they could have a say about, you know, how those people, um, you know, do their jobs. Um, they have so much financial resources and like connections to local politicians to influence legislation and to influence, um, you know, policies and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's just the, the effort goes beyond just the players and, and, and there definitely has to be more attention paid toward ownership. And you know that that's to me the reality of being just not even when we talk about basketball or, or athletics in general. That's just the reality of being black, man. It, it's like you are being asked to take on the burden of solving your own oppression every single time, right? It, whether it's a case to uh, of you have to be the one to to spell out exactly X, Y, and Z. These are the ways in which we're being oppressed. X, Y, and Z. This is how we fix the issue. That's the burden of being black, man. No one ever, everyone always wants to sit back and listen and, and digest and take time to consume things. And no one ever wants to act. They want to sit back and applaud you for being so brave in doing what you're doing. But, you know, it's one thing to stand behind me and give me the thumbs up and say, I support you. And it's another thing to say, you know what, I'm going to stand in front of you and take some of these bullets. And, and you know, that that's that's this next evolution in, in, in the progression of how we get where we want to go in the country. It's not just giving me a pat on the back and saying good job but coming and doing the job with me and that's what the owners need to do in yeah. my mind so wednesday that was of course when the news of this strike and what looked like was going to be a league-wide strike um that's when that news came out and then by thursday morning it did an entire 180 and the teams and players decided that they were going to resume play um i'm wondering i mean i'll throw this to you julio like i'm wondering what were your initial reactions to that like it just totally seemed like everything was not back to normal, but at least proceeding as, you know, the NBA thought it would. Well, I, I kind of want to shed light on Reagan's tweet about the NBA reporters, um, mm. what, what you said about that. Uh, just because, what, you know, what we heard on Wednesday night, you know, we, we definitely thought this season was going to be over. E even if, uh, you know, the rest of the teams in the reports allegedly voted 
even though it wasn't a formal vote, but that's what it said in the reports, voted to continue the season except the Clippers and the Lakers, then it's kind of like if you're Adam Silver, are we really going to have you know a season without these two teams? So, uh, But, yeah, I, I want Reagan to uh, uh, kind of say what he tweeted out. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I basically had a tweet, and I can't remember the exact wording, but – the, the essence of it was we're so quick to point the finger at players when they have a bad game, right? Paul George, and we did that on the show. Paul George, what are you doing? You dropped to zero points in the second half? You suck. But we need to have the same energy for everyone within the NBA doing their jobs. When there's a bad coach, when there's a bad general manager, and when the NBA reporters are not doing their jobs, let's point the finger at you and saying, what the hell is going on here when we have seven different versions of the same story? On the one hand, I'm hearing, you know, LeBron is one of the people who really still want to play it. On the other hand, it's LeBron's leading the charge of people who want to shut down the season. And that's two of the biggest reporters out there reporting things that are completely contradictory to each other. So that to me, that makes zero sense. And it's irresponsible for, for people who have these blue checks to be doing that, those sorts of things. Like it, it now more than ever, when we're, t- when we're dealing with issues with this much gravity, you got to be right. And whether you, you can't trust your source or what have you. It's of the utmost importance that you're accurate when it comes to reporting on things like this. And they simply weren't. Yeah, I mean, it's silly, but that's what this kind of era of access journalism, especially in sports, does, right? So, like, Shams, like, has his inside sources, and Woj has his sources, and Chris Haynes has his sources. I mean, all of these people have their sources, and they come from certain camps. You know, some might be closely associated with, like, a player. Some might be with the agency, some with the team. That there's just so many ways certain things can be twisted to fit certain narratives where LeBron walking out can be seen as heroic and as like triumphant, but also at the same time, like, you know, letting other players down or like selfish, you know, it's like it can be twisted in so many ways where um, it's probably going to still take a while for everything to kind of sort itself out. Can can I ask you guys one thing? Does it bother you uh, um, when I guess people said, uh, I'm glad that cooler heads prevailed? Uh, I, I I don't know. There's something about that statement that kind of bothers me. Like it's it's definitely charged. I know exactly what you mean because when you're saying cooler heads heads prevailed, that means that you know hotter heads lost. And when you say hot heads, that you know you can obviously get into the semantics of the angry black man trope, right? Yeah. Um. So when you say cooler heads, you're implying that these people were thinking things through. And I saw a lot of this on Twitter, man. Yes. People were like, "Man, y'all are dumb. You uh, didn't take the CBA into account." Da, 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 da. Kind of these things that were already in in place that clearly are not playing to what we need right now. The CBA, yeah, that's a contract that's in place, but that contract, right, is not doing what we needed to do in terms of helping and uplifting these players to use their platform so if it's an unjust cba let's address the cba let's not say well we've already put it in writing so we have to follow it now so mm-hmm. there there it did feel like there was a little bit too much cheering for um for a lack of a strike which felt kind of i don't know rub me the wrong way a little yeah bit. To, to me it kind of depends where the anger lies if it's obviously you know with everything that's been going on then that's you know justifiable but you know the report that came out with uh chris paul and LeBron being upset that the Milwaukee Bucks didn't, uh, and the Orlando Magic for that matter, uh, being upset that, you know, they didn't work together because the NBA is such a, you know, tight-knit, close-knit group. Uh, I don't feel like the – do you guys feel like the Milwaukee Bucks should have let every all the other players know? I, I think them just doing that, you know, everything they did on their own was – 
I see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, no, I'm saying it, not at all because, again, and I think it was like Udonis Haslam that criticized George Hill for saying that um, when he went to the press conference and said, like, I wish I wasn't here right now. Or he was like, frankly, we shouldn't be in the bubble right now. And, and Haslam apparently criticized him for it. But that to me is, um, I don't know, I don't think you can do that because I'm sure that George Hill and so many other players were so emotional and right, like so, um, you know, like feeling a type of way during that time that like, it, it's like, it's natural for, you know, you to react impulsively in that case. And if you're George Hill and if you're Milwaukee and George Hill, who said like, I'm not going to play this game because, right, like I'm just not going to play when there's greater, more important things to focus on and care about. Um, and a lot of other players are probably saying that, you know, my mind state's probably not even the right place to play competitive basketball. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to file paperwork, like send a league-wide memo, like note Adam Silver and all the other teams? Like, there's so much of that, like, kind of bureaucracy that takes so much time. And, you know, it's like the whole point of all of this, that this is really human, that this is, like, really touching to, like, the core emotions. And that's something that can't go through, like, a legal process or a formal process. Um, I don't know why the other players would have expected them to give them, like, you know, a, not a two weeks notice, but, like, you know, some sort of, like, heads up yeah. about it. It just That's just not how that stuff works. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I, I don't see why they would have either. It's kind of a situation where the powers that be, right, CP3, LeBron, they are kind of the head focal points in the NBA. So possibly from a pride standpoint, they were thinking, okay, I wouldn't have wanted something like this to go down without it having gone through me first. But at that point, it's it's not exactly it's not is it wasn't the right move. And I think it's hard to say that it wasn't the right move. And we're looking at it now and it seems that there's going to be little to no ramifications of it. I mean. What are you guys' thoughts on the, I think it was like three things that they had to agree upon yeah, to it, continue play? It was uh, the arenas for the governors that do own the, you know, the property. They're going to turn those locations into polling or, I mean, uh, voting locations. And then they're creating coalitions, social justice coalitions that are dedicated yeah, basically, to. Yeah, basically, you break it down into yeah. like one really like clearly, you know, like tangible, like very, you know, um pretty eye-opening thing which is right like the turning the arenas into polling locations and then everything else is like the typical like response Co- like let yeah. me create a committee or yeah. let me create you know broadening our efforts quote unquote you know mm-hmm. like very vague language but um again the one about voting and turning every arena into polling places definitely has you know like lebron's hands all over it with the more mm-hmm. than a vote yeah. that he's doing and that's actually what i want to bring up is like LeBron's role in all of this because we do not we do know that LeBron is right like so much in this sphere of player activism right and and broadening the 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 kind of perception of what an athlete can influence when it comes to larger societal issues but does it almost seem like and again there was apparently some criticism um, by other players about LeBron saying that you know he almost tried to like co-opt some of these things like for himself or that you know he might have come off as somewhat selfish but do you think that like a lot of this process has almost um, kind of painted him somewhat negatively because it seemed like he almost had to like dictate, right? Like what efforts were being had and like, you know, he didn't like that Milwaukee did things on their own, like without him knowing. Like, Yeah, I'm not going to lie. they like at, at the surface level, e- even I could like sniff it out and be like, that seems kind of fishy. Like, is it, you know... Are, are these efforts kind of, uh, uh, I guess, fueled by, you know, self-pride and, and, you know, trying to make my image look good and my legacy 
look good once I retire and all that. But I guess I can see that too. But I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But yes, that feeling did come from the beginning. I'm still relatively confused on exactly what his role was within all of this. And again, that that's part of it is the inconsistent reporting that's being had. Um, and then you had Stephen A. on ESPN this morning say something like, Players took issue with the way LeBron was approaching it because he was talking to everyone as though he were the king and his, his word was uh, was final and yeah. they were all supposed to follow whatever he said. So yeah. if, we, if, it, if that's how it played out and LeBron was the one trying to dictate everything, I can understand why he would, you know, try to step up as a leader, right? And as a leader, you are the, the, the face of the NBA. It is important that you have a voice on these matters, yeah. right? But what you can't do is say, my voice is the, uh, like, that. that is our voice. My voice is our voice on yeah. these matters. Um, and yeah. I think that's, you know, when we look at, even from a basketball standpoint, at several stops throughout his career, there's been that kind of theme where his word is what goes at whatever franchise he's in. So, um, But that's the thing, though, with a guy like LeBron, even if he is not trying to consolidate that much influence, just he has so much sheer power in the league that you can argue that he is the most powerful powerful person within the NBA. That if LeBron by himself said, I'm not going to play because of, you know, Jacob Blake and because of all of this, I think it's very plausible that the rest of the league would have said, okay, like we're all I mean, not going to continue the season. And all it takes is him as one person to say that, right? And that's why, like, he has so much power in this instance where, um, and again, I'm not, I'm not one to be like, oh, LeBron, you should be doing this or that. But if he really wanted to go, like, radical... And if he was really like, you know, like, we're not going to play and I'm going to like essentially say, like, we're not going to play again until like I make the owners or whoever like do this, this, this and this. Right. Like if he really forces his hand like that, it's probably going to happen just because of the sheer immense power that he has. Well, he, he won't. He, we have to wait for him to finish the autobiography of Malcolm X before <laughs> he gets that radical on us. But no, I completely understand your point. And I would I wouldn't go so far as to say he is the most powerful because he is the face of the NBA, but I still feel like behind closed doors, the, the, these owners have a lot more influence. But when we're talking about an NBA scope, I think his word does sway a lot. So what, what my point is, when you have that much power, it comes with a great deal of responsibility. And it can't just be what I say goes. I have to hear what everyone else is saying and then take that into my, you know, when, when you have that much power, essentially, it's just you can't act without taking the thoughts and feelings of others into the perspective, especially when it's your fellow NBA players, right? You can't just go and do what and say what you want without the, the you know, you have to have a level of uh, collaboration with the people yeah. around you. And the, and the thing with LeBron is like, he's never been one to like alienate, right? Through, no. his, through his career. And, and I mean, like, it, it's almost impossible to expect him to kind of switch up now. But at the same time, um, it's impossible to kind of do like really like life changing, like society changing activism without having to antagonize some people. And I'm not sure that, you know, LeBron is willing to attack certain systems like, you know, the kind of entrenched wealth of like ownership and like, you know, uh, economic structures and, you know, like big industries and, you know, like some of these things that are like the big contributors to systemic racism. Um, Obviously, like LeBron is already doing a lot with, you know, talking about voting availability and voting rights. But um, I mean, again, it's unfair to expect LeBron to, again, do the, like everything, just like I was saying, well, you can't expect players to do everything. But, you know, he does hold a lot of power in this case. And, and you know, sometimes 
Um, it's almost like he wants to um, know that he has that power by like dictating the terms which like things get done. Um, obviously, like we also have to talk about some of the other like semantics of it, which honestly painted the players in, in, in a somewhat like negative light when we see all the reports of like, you know, disagreements and um, of course, like Patrick Beverly, and you know, mm. I'm sure you have some thoughts about that, Julio. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> a lot of players have come out and said uh, what he, you know, because he he reportedly or allegedly got into a verbal or altercation or argument with uh, what was her name? Michelle Michelle Roberts. Michelle Roberts, and what's her title? The the uh, president players association players. Um, yes, yeah, something like that, um, and. Uh, he interrupted uh, a speech she was giving or or something she was saying and she told him can you let me get to my point and he allegedly said I pay your salary so I I mean that's very very problematic but a lot of players to his credit uh, have come out and said that nothing of the sort uh, was said but yeah I mean I just think there's you know obviously there's a lot of emotions right now and, and uh, to like what Eddie said about George Hill and the other Milwaukee players, you know, you know, players just aren't in the mind state to play basketball, competitive basketball, playoff basketball right now. And I was thinking about this is Saturday is tomorrow too much uh, or too soon of a date to start playing these games, you think? I mean, I would think so, but this is something that it seemed like the players – at Agreed least had, uh, if it, maybe it wasn't consensus, but um, I, I can't possibly think that the NBA just forced it upon them yeah, to be like, course. you're playing Saturday. Like, you have, like, obviously, a lot of the players must have felt like, you know, just to get on with it, to play basketball. Um, and that's the thing, too, that we saw this before the bubble started, that there were, like, factions and disagreements within the player circle. And yeah. it seems like we see this again, that there are you know, more disagreements and, and whatnot in the player circle that um, if the players did really like have like a union union, as in like they really agreed on everything and move forward with, you know, things like a hundred percent that like their power would be like so immense. But um, I don't know. It's just kind that, of, that's an impossibility. Like that, I mean, I was, people, yeah. people what, what, what's the buzzword nowadays? A monolith? You can't expect an entire group of people like that to just Thank agree you. on one thing. I, w- I was going to say that movements and coalitions in histories have never, uh, e- even though the overall overarching goal may be the same, I mean, th- there are never 100% agreements. And the one clear example that everybody knows that I can point to is Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Like, there's no, like, 100% agreement on every single step that you know that these movements and coalitions and everything you know whatever the case may be do have it's never that case the world isn't perfect everybody doesn't agree everybody has different perspectives and, and to expect the players to you know be together there's too many disagreements here you guys have to speak together that's just impossible and naive to ask from these players but the issue is with that though because i agree with you 100 percent. when you talk about a guy like um um MLK and, and Malcolm X, or we can talk about Marcus Garvey and Booker T. Mm-hmm. Those were two dudes that had such a large following, both in their own rights. They were able to make influence 
with the following that they had. When we're talking about the limited group of NBA players, when you're split like that, it's hard to truly make waves because what are the 300 and, and some change players in the Something NBA? Like that, yep. So if you say it's like 150 on one side and 150 on the other side, that's really tough to do when we're talking about millions that would have followed MLK and the millions that would have followed Malcolm X. Those are two different things. So I do think it, it would... In, this whole thing felt a little bit rushed, and obviously because the the Bucks made the decision kind of on a, a, a whim, which is not you know to discredit their decision, but they just did not have time to really think and discuss these things. So I'm wondering with an off season because the the question that's been eating at the back of my head is where do we go from here? Because obviously in that brief moment, even though it was just a couple of days, in this brief moment we saw the power that the NBA players could have. Because the second they pulled the plug, you had the MLB pulling the plug, you had NFL teams pulling the plug, you had Naomi Osaka pulling the plug. People ready to tennis. go. People were ready to go. Yeah, tennis, um, sports league, soccer. The soccer, they were ready to go. And people, that that's the power. I and mean, we always talk about how the NFL is the most powerful league. When we talk about the players, Mm-mm. it's the NBA, 100%. And what the NBA players did is they proved that people will follow us. If we say something and if we have an action, people are going to come and follow what we do. And that's power that I think is going to be flexed in the near future once people have time to actually discuss what they're going to do with that power. So I don't I, I by no means think this is the end. We just saw something that I, I think we're going to see more to come here. The, the NBA players definitely have a ton of power um, when it comes to right, like what players have, uh, kind of garner the most respect among leagues and like are heard the most. But, I mean, again, I still think, right, that them, you know, meeting before the bubble and them now, like, kind of, it's not even about, like, you know, compromising and there's two different sides and they're forging together. It's almost like there are disagreements and it's always, like, the loudest voices or the most powerful voices that seem to dictate the conversation. And that's, like, okay. But what I do hope is that, you know, maybe some of the maybe like smarter voices that aren't the loudest are also being equally as heard and you know considered because there's a lot of very bright players in the league um like a Jalen Brown like Andre Iguodala like Spencer Dinwiddie that are Sterling saying Brown too yeah that, that are saying like extremely like very rational and well thought out arguments about you know how to proceed with this and you know like they might not have like the same sort of reputation as a cp3 and a you know lebron james but they're they're absolutely as critical and you know just as like you know well thought out like about all of these things as you know like the the heads of the players association and everything that you know we already saw this once with you know Kyrie. like you already brought up julio that you know Kyrie was saying stuff that might have seemed like off the cuff when he did say it but it turned out that you know he really kind of foreshadowed this and that, you know, he kind of thought deep enough about how these things would proceed that he saw this kind of coming. And that's why he argued for the players not to go to the bubble. Um, and, and that's and that's what, you know, I hope the players can figure out is that, like, you don't want that hindsight to bite you, um, especially if there, you know, are reputable people that are very smart and are saying, like, very smart things, you know, that, that are, like, um, warning some of these things that... Um, if they do make these suggestions that, you know, they do have them taken into account and it's not just the top dogs, you know, making all the decisions going forward. Um, I don't know. Any last words, guys? It's going to be interesting, man. It, it feels weird. And obviously once the games resume, we're going to start talking about basketball again. But I, you know, to the people that are listening, I just want to encourage and I just want to emphasize, don't forget this moment because I still really, I have a really strong gut feeling that there's more to come here. Um, at some point in the near future. Yeah, I'm, I'm just most curious to see the the 
NFL and specifically teams like the Tennessee Titans, you know how they, you know, yeah. uh, did their uh, prepared speech or whatever. Or, um, but you know, and it and it's funny because when I went to the comment section, I I tried to stop myself to you know going to the comment section, comment but section you know we're bro. way past you know shut up and dribble or shut up and play football, whatever. But man, like, especially, you know, these teams like the Green Bay Packers, Tennessee Titans, these teams that are located in very, you know, white rural areas. It's just like, it's, it's insane what these fans say in the comment section. Oh, maybe the change you guys should make is uh, stop black on black crime. Or maybe the change you guys should make is uh, win a Super Bowl for once. Uh, but it's just like evil comments like that. So I'm most interested to see what happens uh, in the NFL, if the if the NFL players can flex their arms like the NBA uh, players did, um, but yeah, that that's that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are are always bringing up like, oh, 2020 is the year to like remember, like remember this moment to the point where it's like so cliche. But obviously, I think even when the games resume, and it'll be strange because we're hopping right back into like elimination games. Yeah. Players have to like fight for their you know playing lives that you know it'll still be in the back of the minds of all the players and coaches and people in the league and fans and, and you know and everyone that um of course like this is really poignant and and this is like really like a, a turnstone moment and uh, it will be interesting um to see where the league and the players go from here um obviously they'll let the season play out and then who knows maybe very interesting things will happen but that'll do it for this episode of hoop and holler thanks for tuning in as always follow us on social media at square one media square one hoops that's spelled out sqr1 media and sqr1 hoops on twitter and instagram um, i've been eddie sun joined by julio martinez and reagan griffin as always we'll see you next time this has been the hoop and holler podcast